0: You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org Okay, we are learning Nativot uh, uh, the, Shalom, the book of the Selonah Rebbe Rabbi Shalom, uh, Shalom Noach um, of, uh, of Slonim, um, and uh, we're reading uh, his uh, first essay on prayer, uh, which he titles Avodah Balev Zot Prayer is the Worship of the Heart, Prayer is the Service of the Heart. Uh, and in the first opening section of this essay, um, he, he makes a few arguments. Uh, ultimately, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, this issue of Kavanah intentionality in prayer Uh, and uh, and then uh, toward the uh, end of if you're looking at that page that first page the second column uh, at toward the bottom of the uh, of the uh, uh, last paragraph um, he uh, 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 really kind of hits home what he sees as the essence of prayer when we talk about prayer, right, that we conjure up maybe a lot of images. Um, uh, we we have certain uh, thoughts about what's expected of us uh, in in the context of Jewish prayer. You know, you picture a a, a synagogue, maybe a sanctuary, maybe a particular, a particular, uh, maybe you picture a particular sanctuary. Uh, maybe you think of, uh, of 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 a book that you use and words that you're supposed to say and and motions that you're supposed to do. Uh, choreography that you're supposed to have. We're listening to the rabbi stand up, sit down, fight, 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 right? All of that stuff, right? And uh, the Salama Rebbe comes along and says, um, uh, "Actually, you should remove all of those pictures from your head. That's not what prayer is. That may be. That may involve some of the forms that prayer can take, but that's not what prayer is. The essence of prayer is this. And uh, I'm in that second column." Um, the, the only full paragraph in the column about one two three four uh, five six seven lines from the bottom of that paragraph where he says shavalev." this is the issue of prayer when we say that prayer is the service of the heart or the worship of the heart remember that's a statement from the Talmud that says that uh, that prayer is the the, the service of the heart, uh, meaning to say that uh, it replaced a system of sacrifices in the temple that was known as Avodah, and now the Avodah that we have, the service that we have, the ritual that we have, the worship that we have is in the heart, is from the heart, and that's prayer. <laughs> That only by virtue of a, he says a Jew, but I think he because he's only talking to Jews. I think he means a human being, um, a person uh, pouring out his or her heart like water. Through this, a person can uh, cling to uh, and connect to uh, the Holy One of Blessing. Just as if you had like a friend. Or a lover or a confidant or a, or a parent or a child or something like that that you would feel comfortable um, or maybe you have poured out your heart like water and through by virtue of being totally open totally bearing of yourself, totally honest with that person, totally expressive of everything in your heart that you might want to say, you become closer to that person by virtue of doing that. Maybe it's not a family member or friend or comp- maybe it's a therapist, maybe it's a mentor, um, someone who you can be totally unguarded with and really give voice to everything that's happening in your heart. What's like really, if you're honest with yourself, what what are your anxieties? What are your fears? What are your joys? Um, uh, what what are your expressions of gratitude? Not the not the trite ones that like when you you know when you have an opportunity to speak and you're in a public forum or with, you're a person or you're with people that uh, that that you feel like you have to have a certain you know projection of your image. Um, you have to defend on some level the 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 persona that you. Uh, have uh, in the world or maybe the persona that you have in that particular context not something like that I mean, we, we've all been in, in situations where you know like where we've where we've engaged in Not dishonesty where we've told the truth, but it's like there's a difference between the truth and the truth right but this is saying no someone that you have the capacity to like really give the truth to right that truth the head-shaking frowny truth um, that most of us don't offer so much that's prayer and by virtue of being able to open yourself up that way you become closer to god just as if you're able to open yourself up that way to another person you become closer to that person that's what prayer Ultimately, is according to the Son of Murebbi. Ken um, he dreget fila. That's the level of prayer. That's that's what he means when he says prayer. That's what that's what the goal, the objective of prayer. That might happen at home, right? When you're just uh, you know in bed. Right, that might happen for me. A lot of times, I think I mentioned this in, uh, before. When I go to the mikvah, I can pray like that. I can like really. There's something about being, you know, standing naked before God, like literally, right? And um, uh, it might be in it might be in shul. I mean, you know, and I think that what I would say as the rabbi trying to construct prayer experiences in synagogue is I, I wish people walked into the building wanting that to be their experience in prayer, having genuine outpourings of emotion in that context, not waiting for the stage directions from the rabbi, right? But when you feel like standing up, that's when you should stand up. When you feel like sitting down, that's when you should sit down. When you feel like um, uh, jumping for joy and dancing, that's when you should jump for joy and dancing and not worrying so much about what other people are going to say about you, but worrying more about how am I going to actually give full expression to what's in my heart, right? That's, that's what I think should be happening up, up there, um, but doesn't always happen, um, Right, even in, in asking for your needs, uh, you feel God's love and you feel closer to God. Um, right, the feeling that uh, that there's only one force in the cosmos, one uh, one entity in the world that can really uh, that can really understand you, that can really help you, that can really see you in your totality. Right. And um, so, you know, so even more so than, you know, picture a person that you felt that you could be, you know, a- as totally unguarded with as you possibly can be to really pour out all the secrets of your heart to um, uh, and, and uh, picture that person, you know, times infinity. Right. So so God being the entity that really sees to the depths of you. Right, you know, I mean, I think I said this in 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 a, in a sermon that I gave on Yom Kippur. Right, the, the whole idea of praying to God is that there shouldn't be any embarrassment, right? There shouldn't be any guardedness because the person, the entity to whom you're praying, already knows, right? Um, you just need to say it. But that entity already knows. God already knows what's in your heart, right? Um, and and also times infinity in the sense that. Um, that you know your 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 spouse, your therapist, whoever that person is in your life, they might be able to uh, help you a little bit. Right, but they have their own stuff that's going on, right? Therapists, that deal with transference and all that, right? Your spouse um, has their own, or right? they can listen to you, pour out your heart, but ultimately they have like a certain box that your spouse, want, that your spouse wants you to be in the spou- spouse box, right? And um, they don't necessarily want to be your, your therapist or your sounding board for all the deepest, darkest desires of your heart, right? Um, it's probably not good for your relationship if that is all, right? So, so and they can't always help you, right? With every, Not only because of... The limitations of the context, but also the limitations of just human ability, right? So the whole idea of prayer is giving expression to to, to what's in your heart in the presence of someone uh, or 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 or, uh, or, or a power um, that that actually has the capacity to uh, to intervene in a meaningful way. Okay, let's uh, let's go on a little bit more. Yeah. More yeah. Uh, um, from the comma, the chi rock hu yit right? barach rotsa viachor la viachol la azorlo. Only blessed God uh, wants to and can help you. Yeah, the yud ted is yit barach, which means may, may God be may he be blessed. I'm at the very last line of the second column. Uh, before the paragraph break, before the column break. Okay. See, yeah. Um, okay, now I'm going to go to the next, uh, the the next uh, section of the essay under the Hebrew letter Bet. Okay, the first couple of lines there. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, this, I, I, please. Um, I, I don't know. What's the reality of reaching the point that you just described? Obviously,
1: that's not. Uh, every day kind of experience I don't think um, and, and I'm wondering how do you place that within the confines of of, um, of your life even your prayer life
0: yeah well so uh, I mean you tell me <laughs> is it, it uh,
1: what you describe happens occasionally okay. but really rarely um, that doesn't mean are you speaking
0: personally or are you speaking abstractly uh, personally okay and, and I think that it doesn't and that's okay I don't think that you you reach those kinds of depths
1: without a lot of um either reason or right. um, you know something going
0: on in your life that, that right. puts you
1: there or, right. or even the knowledge to be able to get there right. so I'm just wondering when you say that what's the you know, what's the likelihood,
0: necessarily, of that, of that happening? Or is there? So I, I, I would say it depends on a number of things. The first is um, on the power of your imagination. Right? And I think I mentioned this the last time we met, or one of the other times we met, is that I, I find that like evangelical Christians have a much more um, uh, keenly developed imagination than, than, than I do, right? You know, from, from a very early age, they're taught to relate to God like a real person in front of you, right? Um, you know, even so much, I read once that like, you know, a lot of, uh, um, uh, uh, I don't know, by a lot, I said a lot because I couldn't think of a better word, but some evangelicals, you know, like set aside like a cup of coffee in the morning for, for Jesus you know, um, like, you know, I have my coffee and my, my grapefruits, right? And this is Jesus's coffee and grapefruit, right? So a really, and I, don't, and I don't mean that, and it's not pejorative, because I think that actually, I don't think that anybody really thinks that that's Jesus's coffee and grapefruit, right? I mean, from, from the rational mind. But, um, but having a really uh, um, uh, strong ability to, uh, to, to uh, engage with the divine on that deeply personal level Um, Is is a function of imagination and that in itself takes practice and I think that one's ability to pray in this way um, depends on their ability to um, Jettison their rational mind and develop that kind of um, uh, Creative mind right and I think that a person can theoretically pray like this every time they pray Um, I just think that on that side of things, it takes practice. I think on the other side of things, it takes practice too, right? So, uh, and I, I'd say practice is the best way I can think of to answer the question. It's, it's part of why I think Judaism invites us to pray multiple times a day, every day, um, because uh, at least in theory, it gets us into the habit, uh, in, into the practice of having those encounters, right? Especially if you approach those encounters with at least the mindset of um, that you're standing in the presence of God. Right? You may not always engage that moment with, that, with, with a deep sense of that awareness, but if you r- routinely have moments where you say to yourself, "I'm standing in the presence of God and I'm going to say something." right? Whether it's the words in the prayer book or the words in your heart, I'm going to say something that's going to be at this time of the day, every day, right? Uh, or these three times of the day, every day." Right? I think that that helps. So I think that the practice helps get, get to those transcendent moments and make those transcendent moments um more uh more common and more easily attainable but i would say the other aspect of the practice is to i'm going to use a buzzword of saying this i don't think that's the best one but like be prayerful in the rest of your life right so you know i don't know how many of you have ever gone to therapy before but therapy is really i think only helpful and effective, I mean, you have the, usually you have like the initial crisis that sends you to therapy, right? Um, you know, you're struggling with something major in your life and um, or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and, then you, uh, and, then, and, and then you seek out a therapist, you start the process of therapy, right? So you have that initial moment, depending on the person, depending on the, the, the uh, person on the couch and the person uh, in the therapist chair, it might take time to develop a sense of trust. But some people are, are able to, to, um, you know, from, from the get go pour out their heart in a real way. Um, but then, okay. So after you have that, or after you have a few sessions of that, um, it, it, therapy is no longer helpful or, or is less helpful unless you spend your time in between the time that you are meeting with your therapist thinking about, okay, like, what are the things, what are the things that I'm working on from that last session? And what are the things that I'm noticing in my world or in my life that I can bring with me to the couch the next time I'm there? Right? So everybody has, I mean, nobody has think, not, not nobody, but most people don't have like deep profound emotional crises, you know, three times a day, every day. Thank God. Right. But everybody has little anxieties, um, little conflicts, little pains, that happen and, and and sometimes those are actually the more important ones to look at and, and, and address right so um, so what I'd say is that the, the, the practice thing um, is is to, is to be able to say, okay you know there, yeah there're going to be times. Where like I have this real crisis in my life, something major has happened. Something major, great has happened. I you know I had a wonderful, beautiful grandson, right? Something really major, terrible has happened. God forbid in my life, right? And and then it then having those moments might be easier. It's harder when 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 it's the sort of mundane, everyday crises that we have, which we don't really regard as crises, but um, but are actually you know like the 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 pains, challenges, annoyances uh, that that we have every day that. You know, there's a saying in the 60s, I think, 60s or 70s, and I don't, I don't know who to attribute it to, so I'll just say it, uh, that uh, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Have you ever heard that? The way you do... What? I've heard it. I
2: don't know who
0: from. Yeah, I don't know who it comes from either, but the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So what, what that, what's that? Timothy Leary. Was it Timothy Leary? Maybe. Well, sure, why not? Why not? Um, so... Um, the, I won't even get it. okay. So, um, so what? What that? What I? What I take that to mean is that the way I relate to the major crises in my life is also the way I relate to the, like everyday interactions of my life in some ways, right? So, um, so part of the the opportunity of prayer is to be able to take note of those little things. And bring them to God as if they were important things, right? As if they were major things, right? Um, I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm speaking that almost entirely out of theory. Like, I don't think I'm great at doing that. And most of the time in prayer context, Nancy, I, I find myself uh, struggling with exactly what you're struggling with, right? Which is there are times where, like, I get the big fireworks, right? And I can bring the big fireworks. And there are times where I'm just, you know, reading the, reading the words out of the prayer book. Yeah. I was just going to say, about my life of us doing that in the synagogue for people, it's uh,
1: personal to yeah. But the likelihood of doing that when you're alone, and I think when you're by yourself, um, and maybe for me, when you're by yourself, you can do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think because we're who we are, we're not going to jump around the temple and dance and scream and our hearts out so much, but I think when you're alone, you're much more likely to react to it that I'm not a
2: dancer or a screamer anyway, but they, I mean, I think for me, this is going to be a very strange statement, but I'm going to make it anyway. Because so much of my life is spent with my back against the wall due to poverty, disability, and because I grew up Christian with a real concept of God, not just a real concept, a real relationship with God. It was something I cut off from Judaism when I converted. Not because anybody told me I had to, but because we didn't do it
1: right. up there. Right.
2: And in the last two years, you've kind of watched Rabbi, as, I've, as that's been pulled back in. And when I sit in that room, almost, I have my off days, but almost every prayer session is like that for me. That's why a lot of times I'm sitting very casual. Because I'm in conversation. I'm not doing ritual.
1: Right.
2: I'm with everybody else. But for me it's deeply personal. But like I said, I think I have the advantage of poverty and disability that puts my back against the wall every single day. And so without that relationship, I'd collapse. I'd implode.
0: I mean, you know, uh, the book of Deuteronomy points that out, right? That uh, that um, success and affluence um prosperity is the word i was looking for prosperity uh is uh, um uh something that tends to distance us from this real kind of relationship right we don't we no longer feel like we need god in uh, which is actually precisely why it's the maybe the most spiritually important right um uh because uh because you know, uh prosperity can be, um, uh, a, a, a shield or a weapon. Um, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and um, so anyway, but, but I, I think that that's a really important insight, um, that, you know, in, in, uh, in a, in, in a context where, um, um, let me rephrase what I want to say, the, the, um, that everybody has emotional and spiritual challenge. Um, everybody on some level has physical challenge. And the, um, the, the, I think the, I don't know if it's a matter of poverty or not, but what I would say is that um, uh, that that awareness of vulnerability, right? Um, the 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 willingness to acknowledge vulnerability, is easier for somebody uh, for whom self identity is I know I'm vulnerable in all of these ways, right? Um, whereas somebody who is who doesn't walk day to day with that awareness um, can can use that as a mask for their real vul- for their for their for, for what's really going on inside. Um, uh, and, and in some ways, you have to strip that pretense in order to have this kind of relationship, which is part of why it's hard in synagogue, right? Because, you, you know, like you, all the other people there, uh, you don't want them judging. You, you want them seeing you a certain way, right? Um, and what's required here is, is vulnerability. Now, I, what I would say is it makes it all the more important to be able to do it in uh, in in a public context to be able to pray like this in a public context, because um, as a spiritual exercise, you're acknowledging the reality that um, uh, that first um, in the same way that you don't want others judging you for th- those raw emotions, that's an important spiritual practice about how you should not judge others for their display of the, their brokenness, right, and their pain, um, but also the 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 um, it it uncovers a Reality that we are all of us fundamentally equal right Um, that we are all of us uh, uh, Vulnerable and naked in the same way right Um, and it uh, and uh, as a as a spiritual and maybe even moral exercise um, To be able to do that to be able to have a a community in which that's encouraged um, Reinforces um a, a sense of um uh a, a sense of uh for lack of a better term equality right no one is superior to anybody else Right, but everybody, you know, when they gather in synagogue, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people, when they gather in synagogue, they want to think, they want to like be able to like think of ways in which they're superior to. Other. When they gather in any setting, you want to think of ways in which you're superior to the the people around you, right? So, am I wearing nicer clothes than them? Am I? Am I? I. I mean, this is what I do. This is this is my own brokenness. Like I always kind of look around the room and make sure, like, okay, am am I the fattest person here? Right. Um right. Uh <laughs> um so uh but we have but we all have those things, right, where we where we like kind of want to look around the room and say, like, okay, how am I doing compared to everybody else? Right? And if we really open our hearts up, then we can no longer say how am I doing compared to everybody else because um because I'm broken. Right? Yeah. Lisa, did you have your oh, sorry, someone had it, yeah. I think you gave a
1: sermon and you talked about your own challenges with prayer. Um, and this last sentence that you just translated, only Blessed God can and wants to help you, seems a little bit um, um, in contrast to things that you spoke about and things that I have problems with. Yeah. Um, and i'm wondering you know if if is the practice part of one of the tools that you use to to work on these issues I, I yeah
0: just, i find
1: it hard right. to reconcile some of this
0: right so wh- how i would understand that piece is you know listen i, I um, in my theology, there are limitations to what God can and can't do, right? Um, and which, which, depending on how you look at it, is also what God will or will not do. Um, and that creates, and I talked about, uh, creates an impediment uh, or a difficulty in prayer as it's classically understood with the classical conception of God. Uh, but also, there's real, real problems with that classical conception of God. Um, In that, you know, God doesn't always seem to answer. That God doesn't always seem to answer prayers, even though that God can. So there's real problems there. So what I would say about that last line is that I think that there's spiritual value in the awareness that not everything is in my control, right? And whether or not God can control it. Uh, If anybody could control it, it would be God, right? But there are even some things that God cannot control, right? So there are things in my life, there are pains that I have, anxieties that I have that I may not be able to totally fix on my own, right? And there are things happening in my world um, over which I may have absolutely no control, Right? No other person will have control over those things because there are just things that happen in our lives where, where we reach the limits of, uh, of, of any human intervention or solution. Right? Um, and, and so I think that that's an important practice of being able to say, like, here's what I'm struggling with, here's what, what I'm, uh, I'm pained by, what I'm wrestling with, um, here are my vulnerabilities, and acknowledging that not every problem can be fixed. Right so I, I believe in the the first part of the statement, right that only God wants to help you right on it right uh well I actually I don't know only God wants to help you, but I believe that God wants to help me, right um I think that there are other people or entities in the world that that want to help me too but um uh, but whether or not God can help me um i I don't know, so I would read it as um it is uh, uh, God is probably the most equipped to help me if it's a problem that can be helped right um, that can be intervened right but I, I don't believe that God can supernaturally cure diseases right i don't believe that God can supernaturally you know make me wealthy right um, so uh, so that's that's what I would say about about that and I think that that that, um, that having that awareness of of of, of fallibility, vulnerability, um, uh, um, impotence um, is really important spiritually and morally. Can
2: I add a piece to how to look at that too? I, I used to watch the show Touched by an Angel and I said I only had one theological problem with the show that the things that the angels were doing, coming to people and doing, was what I felt like we should be doing in the Mm -hmm. earth. And I think a lot of times we look at God helping as this, like, lightning bolt from the sky, all of a sudden it drops. But over the years, and especially the last few weeks, and even last night, um, I have come to see the power of creating these vulnerable communities. Right. And when we have a community like that where it's not just one person trying to be vulnerable with God and vulnerable with other people and Having judgmental people around them, but when we create a community where when you walk in the room You can be that open. You can be that vulnerable You can be that real and it's a community thing Then what happens when you're that vulnerable is I believe God touches hearts God pulls people together and I felt that little nudge myself. I I saw it with two different bus drivers yesterday um, where oh, maybe you can help me with this problem. And all of a sudden, something somebody had been struggling with, it gets resolved on a bus. But it's about us being, when we are that vulnerable, it doesn't just open up for us to get our needs met, but to hear other people's hearts in the room, in the community, and to reach out and be God on the earth. And not turn into God, but to feel that nudge in our own hearts that says, go talk to them. Go be their shoulder to cry on. Maybe you can help them. And that is God answering prayer. It's not the lightning bolt from the sky, the all of a sudden the money's in the bank account. It may be the person that was sitting next to you that you were worried was going to see how you were praying, when you're both being vulnerable that says, you know, I just got a bonus at work, and I was going to stick it in the bank, but maybe it can help with your situation, with the medical treatment for that disease or whatever and maybe we can work together to fix it.
0: Right, I mean, that's a, that's a really powerful point. I mean, you know, how do you know, uh, right, that, uh, uh, that when you cry in synagogue that people are going to judge you, right? Uh, it may be that they'll offer you their shoulder and their hand. I'm
1: thinking yeah. judging because yeah. I think at a certain age you're not really worried about it. Mm-hmm. You know? But I do think that some things are so personal that you really don't want to share it with yeah. I mean, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. I guess if you were to say you, there's two kinds of prayers, your personal prayer and what you do in the community mm-hmm. I mean because I don't think it's about judging because I, I just I do yeah. think it's just about personal personal relationship and um, I
0: guess
1: I don't want to hear
0: that. hmm yeah. um, The other, the other thing that I was thinking, um, I, I don't know why today I'm going back to this metaphor, but like a, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking like a, um, the best therapists um, don't try to solve your problems for you. Right, Not, not in the, the context of therapy, the best therapists don't, don't say, like, this is the solution to your problem. And they don't, like, certainly outside the context of therapy, like, they don't, you know, put money in your bank account and whatever. They might, but uh, the, the, the best therapists um, uh, are able to uh, get you to open up in such a way that you realize the solution to your own problems right? Um, and it's self-generated. I mean, you, it's a little nudge, a little pull here, there, a good question, right? Uh, a, a, a little insight, right? But, but really the revelations in that kind of context are coming from within you, right? And I think that that's, so in terms of like, can God, can God help you in that sense, I'd say that the process of opening up in that framework is itself helpful, right?
1: Accidental murder, deliberate murder. I can go to a grocery store now and somebody takes alien, you know, for no good reason. And some people would say, well, why didn't God, why did God let this happen? But God gave us free will. And He doesn't interfere in human activities. Right. So we have to deal with the realities. Right. Um, No matter how awful it is, I mean, you have a child's die, you have things like right. that happening. Right, right. God doesn't interfere, he doesn't practically heal the child suddenly, you know, things like that, or have that person get out of the way so the, the shoulder won't hit you. Right,
0: right. And, and 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 so that you know, uh, uh, goes to this conversation where, where you know, praying to God isn't about God asking for God's supernatural intervention, right? It's it's uh, it's it. Part of it is is becoming aware of our own vulnerability, right, um, and our own powerlessness, um, and our own fears about that. Lisa, do you have your hand up?
3: I think a big difference between when you were talking about the Christian and Jewish religion, I feel like the Jewish culture has had to do so much to hold on to its existence, that a part of the prayer and the prayer cycle being more rote is because they want to specifically hang on to this. And it's not necessarily a problem that the Christians have dealt with. So um, that's been so embedded. But then, when you're in synagogue with people who have been raised that way, it's that's a huge important thing, and to let go of that is maybe to be letting go a little bit about what we're also afraid of losing potentially, and um, I think for the for the God piece um, in general in prayer, the kind of prayer that we're talking about, or the Rebbe was talking about. Um, It's the place where you go so inside yourself that you feel uh, real truth and love and total acceptance. And if you want to call that God, but everybody sometime has felt that space. And I think that's the kind of prayer you're trying to get to. So even when terrible things are happening, little day-to-day problems are happening, if you can come to that place of truth and love and total acceptance, it's easier to go out in the world, and for me, that's God, that place. But I don't think you necessarily have to believe in any specific kind of God to come to that place. And I think what what helps me to get there is preparation. And, and for sure, Judaism does that with like Yom Kippur, and you know where you're taking all of that time. And, and even as you said in the mikvah, when you go through those processes of preparation. It really does help. And even what we do before this class, just going to a chance, going to the breath, anything for, for Buddhists with breathing first. And for sure for me in synagogue, when I feel all around, and maybe I'm more self-conscious than you because now I'm going to be speaking in a language that's very new to me and I don't know the words. So go, like, intentionally going to a breath and taking a breath before I go to any kind of prayer, any kind of preparation like that, whether it's you know how lighting the candles in Shabbat, of course you feel more in tune in that moment right. than when you don't have preparation. And I feel like that's a part of the kavana. If you just come in and blah blah blah, and then you're talking about what happened to you know Mary on her way in, right. it's very hard to get to that place in synagogue. Yeah, and I think. Um, Maybe as more people do that, you know, you've done a few things to open up, maybe it gets more comfortable and more familiar, and then it is an easier place to go to, you know? Yeah. So, so that's the practice piece of it. Yeah, but you think the preparation is just, even, even if I'm saying a small word during the day, even if I'm feeling anxious about something or just uncomfortable, I have to take a breath first. You know, I have to just take a few breaths and as the rabbi said of okay, you, before God, here's your chance to be in total love and total acceptance without judgment. And where nobody else can help you is, I may want to help you with all my heart, but I'm going to have some preconceived notion of it. I'm going to have my own interpretation of it. But if I can get to that place in my heart, there'll be no judgment. It's a place I can go and just get to the reality, yeah, this is, this is a terrible thing or this is a Whatever this is, a thing that's making me anxious, and it's okay, and and it'll it'll help me to move forward. It doesn't necessarily change things; it's at my perspective, you know. And I think when you go through day to day life like that, then you come across things, and you can live more in prayer, yeah, because you have practiced it.
0: Yeah, so it's a really good segue to the next part of uh, his, uh, of the Salonomer's essay. So if you look at the, that first page where, uh, at the break in the column where there's a letter bet, and then we'll move, uh, we'll do those first two lines and then move on to the next page, which uh, starts on the uh, top right-hand side, it has the Hebrew letters Kuf pe Bet. And it says, Le'or ha'amor hi hadvekut pa'ashem. Uh, so it, more on the subject uh, that uh, prayer is a uh, connection to God or clinging to God. Shu harambam be madrigata tefillah. And that's what the, my, if you remember back a few weeks ago, a few months ago, whatever, um, he introduced his essay talking about uh, Maimonides' uh, laws of prayer. So that's what Maimonides uh, talked about uh, um, was, the, was the goal of tfila, of prayer was connection to God or or clinging to God. That one's heart should be open upward as if he were standing in heaven. So it's also what's found in uh, the Shulchan Aruch, which is a code of Jewish law. Um chassidim and hayu megiim hagash Okay, this is a principle of Jewish law. It's amazing. This is not just some like highfaluting, um, uh, you know, uh, spiritual mumbo jumbo, right? This is like concrete, like you know, like what does the law say about right? So um, that uh, that pious people and uh, and, and people of uh, of virtue. Um, should get in their prayer to a place where they transcend their physical being they transcend physicality physicality they leave behind is to like just to, to, to like um, to strip off uh, your materiality right so prayer should be an opportunity a moment of of, of total transcendence from the physical um, I think I mentioned this in some of our meditation services my uh my my friend uh Rabbi Andrew Hahn who who goes by uh the name of the Kirtan Rabbi because he like fuses uh uh rabbinic Judaism with a with a form of uh, meditative practice called Kirtan um and he says he uh, he took this from some uh, uh I think the Alter Rebbe who's the first Rebbe of uh of Chabad Hasidut said something to the effect of I think he made it I think Rabbi Han made it uh, this pithy statement, but um, nothing became something so that something might become nothing. Nothing became something so that something might become nothing. In other words, God created the world from nothingness. Something came from nothing so that something might return to nothing. In other words, the goal of creation is to return to our source, is to get back to that. Um, that 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 deeper level of reality, um, where um, where all is one, um, and uh, and so that uh, um, what he would say in meditation, but also in prayer, the goal is um, to um, dissociate yourself from the illusion of your material existence. Right? That on on it's like Yoda says, right? We're we're not this crude flesh and matter. We're beings of light. Right, um, so that so the, the objective of prayer is to be able to to um, to see yourself or to be um, that being of pure light and and transcend your physicality. Right, they would do that until they would reach close to uh, to like the level of prophecy. Right? Um, and, and that goes back to what we we're saying, right? The, the, the objective of prayer, I mean, it's interesting. We usually think of prayer as like, okay, what I'm going to say to God. But actually, in some level, the objective of prayer is what, what can I hear God saying to me, right? And so it's, you know, when, when, I, when I pour out my heart, what's that insight that's going to come from pouring out my heart? Right, when I, when I, you know, leave behind the trappings of materiality, right, all of the different, whether it's physical aches and pains I have, or the money anxieties that I have, or whatever it is. If I were to leave that behind to be able to, to then discern, okay, what does my heart really need, right, which sometimes you can only do if you leave all that stuff behind. Um, that's Nivua, that's prophecy. Right, that you should uh, um, that that you should um, uh, reach uh, um, from this process of clinging to God um, uh, to, as it were, returning your soul to God or con- or 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 binding your soul, completing your soul with God. Right. In, in other words, moving from this a uh, uh, level of of experiencing or encountering our world as you know I am me and the person sitting next to me is him and uh, and you know i 'm in this building with walls and uh, and a stage, and I have this book in front of me to uh, to an awareness that actually all is one, all of those things are um, are are surface level illusions to a deeper reality that exists, which is all god right so the, the, mo, the opportunity of prayer is to, um, is to be what we were truly created to be. Beings of pure spirit. Hayu, <laughs> This goes to what Lisa was saying before. It's why I wanted to make sure we got to it today. <clears throat> and some of you have heard me teach this text before. ולכן Hayu, חסידים הראשונים. שוהים Sha'a אחת כודם And that's why the early pious ones um, would, would meditate for an hour before they even prayed, right? They would come to shul and they would sit and meditate for an hour before davening started so that uh, they could prepare themselves and uh, and and uh, make themselves aware and understanding, so that they could reach the level of uh, of connection and closeness to God. Um, that so that their hearts would be prepared to cling to God, right? And that takes preparedness, right? That takes uh, uh, intention. Uh, so I think I think of uh, <clears throat> those days where um, I like come home straight from like a meeting or like dealing with whatever kind of business I have and, I, and I'm going like an hour later out to another meeting, which may or may not be connected to the previous work that I was doing. And in between that hour, I have to like go home and, and like, you know, show the kids that I'm like still alive and a presence in their life or whatever, right? But I saw so I like blow in the door from that meeting or from that phone call or whatever it is. And like, I know I'm like on my way out. To this other meeting, and in between, I'm playing with my kids. But really, my mind is not with playing with my kids at them. Right, my mind is still there and there. Right, what I got to do to prepare for that thing, and what I'm still dealing with from this thing, right? Versus the days where, like, where I I have moments to sort of like shift my intentionality, say so, like I need to be present, like actually not just physically present, but actually present. For, for my kids, so that my mind is not still at work when I'm playing with them, so that's the same thing with prayer, and I think that this uh, happens a lot in the context of, especially um, synagogue worship, but I think even personal private prayers like this, too, maybe you set aside time for it, but, like, uh, for most of the time that you're there, you're Still in the parking lot, or the or the or the, uh, or the um, traffic that you were sitting in on the way there, or the fight that you had with your spouse before you got there, and you're already like like planning. Okay, like what's the grocery shopping I need to do after, or like what's what you know what um, what what's the what, what do I have to do to get my kid to like the soccer game on time, whatever, right? And so in the space of prayer, there's actually not a lot of time, not a lot of space for uh, for for real connection. Real presence in that moment because you're because you're elsewhere during it um, and that's why practice is so important right uh, because it uh, it, it, it uh, um, enables intentionality um, so we're out of time so why don't we stop there any thoughts or questions or comments about that piece about uh, what, it, what it means, what it would mean uh, to, uh, um, um, uh, to, to approach prayer in such a way that was about leaving behind the trappings of material life, physical life. And to be able to reach a space in prayer where it was um, total union with God, and on that level, with everybody else that's present with you or not present with you, right? I mean, the, 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 and from that point of view, Ellen, I, I you know, I'm just thinking of, like, this, this idea of, you know, not wanting to pour my heart out in front of other people. And I totally appreciate that and, and get that. And, I, and you're right. I don't think it's only about fear of judgment. I think that there's, there's other issues. Um, but what would it what would it look like if we got to a place in prayer where there was actually no distinction, no division between me and the person across the room, right? And what kind of opportunities would that open up for emotion? If if you know, could I pour out my heart if they were me too, right? In that moment, right? And I'm them in that moment. Um, so I think that that's the the objective that the Slonimers offering for prayer is to be able to um, uh, uh, jettison those divisions that keep us cloistered in our own uh, in our own little boxes in our own little worlds. Um, but doing that requires um, uh, seriousness and intentionality and, and practice and, and work.